Welcome to Guys We Fucked. <laughs> guys We Fucked. Guys We Fucked. I'm Christina. I'm Corinne. We're sorry, sorry about, about last, last night. night. The anti slut shaming podcast. <laughs> I never stop. <laughs> Hello, fuckers, and welcome to another episode of Guys We Fucked. It's the anti slut shaming podcast. I'm Corinne. I'm Christina. And what are you doing, New Yorkers? Tomorrow, Saturday, September 23rd. Is that tomorrow? That's this coming out. Yeah, mm-hmm. right? Okay, I don't know what days are or time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday, September 23rd is Glamour Puss, hosted by myself and comedian Wendy Starling at Zinc Bar, which is at 82 West 3rd Street in the West Village. Tickets are 15 bucks. There will be wigs. There will be skimpy little sparkly dresses. And there will be comedy. So buy a ticket. Uh yeah <laughs> i don't know what that was oh this is oh and then <laughs> also we're corinne and i are going to be in boston though both shows are sold out the the corinne's headlining show with james and i is sold out as well as mine so sorry better luck next time <laughs> uh i don't know i mean it's good for us uh, suckers and then i have a couple of dates coming up on tuesday september 26th and just remember september is my birthday month a lot of people thought that september, september 29th was my birthday no it's september 29th so i'm you're still indebted to me for this whole <laughs> this whole month um so tuesday september 26th i'm doing risk uh kevin allison's nice. uh storytelling show live at the bell house that's at 8 p.m bell house is very big it's in brooklyn you know i would appreciate if you came it's a mashup actually between risk and body storytelling which is another awesome podcast very excited and it's a story that I've never you probably never heard me tell before I've never told on this podcast and then um the next day, Wednesday, is September 27th. It's the Comedian Project, and that's at the Standing Room. I co-host that with Katie Hannigan. It's probably like eight or nine. Who, who the heck knows? I'll put up the post. It's $5. You don't need a code. There's no jokes about sex, dating, or relationships. And then on Thursday, November 2nd at 7 p.m., I am headlining the Vermont Comedy Club. Vermont? Vermont the state we've never been to. They have syrup, right? Guys, we fucked. Um, and I'm excited to go because it's beautiful. So that's again, Thursday, November 2nd, Vermont Comedy Club. Uh, I'm headlining. James is featuring and use code Alfred for $15 tickets. I'll put all the links in the description of the podcast. On Thursday, the following week, November 9th, Corinne and I will be performing the Guys We Fucked Experience show for the as part of the New York Comedy Festival. It's going to be at the Tribeca Performing Arts Center. This is a very huge theater. Tickets are selling very fast, but we want to sell it out now now yesterday so this is going to be the best night of your life uh and you should come that's all i'm gonna say oh hey do you tell time me too uh mvmt watches movement watches is a sponsor of this episode of guys we fucked and i fucking love them they were started uh, the company was started by two broke college kids that wanted to wear stylus watches but couldn't afford them Taylor thought his time. Movement Watches was founded on the belief that style should not break the bank. By selling their products entirely online, Movement was able to cut out the middleman and the retail markup in order to provide you with the best price possible. Watches started just 95 bucks, 
which is a fraction of what department store brands typically charge. Fuck those people. Get a movement watch. This is revolutionary pricing, okay? Like George Washington shit, you guys. Uh, Movement's got classic design, quality construction, and their styled minimalism has led to over 1 million watches being sold in over 160 countries. I didn't fucking know there was that many countries, guys. We're learning. We're being educated. I have a movement watch. Steven has a movement watch. I've been giving compliments ever since I put it on. I fucking sleep with it on and I shower with it on and I've gone into the ocean with my movement watch on. I haven't. They are not waterproof, okay? Don't do that. So step up your watch game and see why people across the world love movement watches. If you go to movement.com, that's M-V-M-T.com slash G-W-F, you get 15% off plus free shipping and free returns. That's M-V-M-T.com slash G-W-F. Join the movement. And one more ad, guys, <laughs> Lyft. It's Lyft. You've heard us talk about them before. Lyft is how I got here today. Uh, it was very late, but that was not Lyft's fault. That was, that Donald-, was Donald Trump's fault. Yeah, that was Donald Trump's Fuck fault. Uh, Lyft knows that their drivers are what keep them moving, so they do everything they can to ensure that drivers are happy on every trip. Earn hundreds of dollars a week plus 100% of tips, which add up fast. Drivers have been paid over $200 million since Lyft introduced the in-app tipping before any other ride sharing platform did so jab uh because getting tipped (laughs) shouldn't depend on your passenger (laughs) having a crumpled bill in their pocket lyft also offers express pay which lets you get paid almost instantly instead of weeks later want to earn more money drive more it's never been easier to give yourself a raise lyft has even taken the guesswork out of pickups the new amp device uses color coding to help passengers find their drivers it's a simple formula happy drivers mean happy passengers maybe that's why nine out of 10 Lyft rides get a perfect five-star rating. I mean that and also the fear of the person knowing where you live. Uh, so, so join true. the ride-sharing company that believes in treating <laughs> its people better. Go to Lyft, L-Y-F-T dot com slash G-W-F today and you can get a $500 new driver bonus. So obviously this is an ad if you want to drive. It's great for like actors. I met an actor the other day. He was really cute. He's going to come to one of my shows. Um oh. And then, oh, and then I tweeted about it. And then Kat Stacks tried <gasps> to publicly burn me. She read No, Kat Stacks. Yeah, she follows me on Twitter. And follows she, you on Twitter? And she retweeted. So and she retweeted. Kat Stacks, bitch. My tweet about this drive, the, the relationship between me Kat and the driver. Stacks, and she was like, and she was like, you got to find more interesting tweets when you were bored. And it got zero likes. <laughs> oh, and I posted it on Instagram. <laughs> that was the most boring thing Cat Stack has ever posted. Cat Stack- Yo, I just fucked Drake and Chris having a real bored ass lift ride. But, but the thing was, it was it was like a very passionate lift ride in her eyes. It was and boring. She-, she didn't fuck anybody, and you didn't fuck a rapper, and, and then she- put him on blast. And Cat Stacks tried to Cat- burn me publicly, and it did not work. Oh, that's so depressing anyway, and hilarious. Back to this. Drive for oh, lift. Yeah. Whoops. Very fun. Don't text while you're driving, and don't tweet while you're driving lift.com slash gwf that's lift.com slash gwf limited time only terms and conditions apply it just said terms but i always want to add on the conditions wait so cat when how long has cat sex been following you on twitter i don't know i didn't realize it until she until she publicly burned me i've been following her for a long time me Uh, too and yeah she i guess followed me back um 
and uh, then yeah, tries to try to burn me. She <laughs> tries to burn them all, and it's like it's really kind of cute that she couldn't burn you. I found I was it like, wasn't. It was so funny to me, but like I was like, yeah, out of all the things that you need to concern yourself with, like I like d- don't know why this particular tweet because it wasn't even like it wasn't even about her i tweet a lot of shit that you know meant to cause trouble and like that was not one of <laughs> and that was the one i got picked up by cat stacks was, media aka was not one of them cat stacks bitch oh it was very oh, funny though. i wanted to do an impression thriffany is lightly molded off of cat stacks oh, actually God. that makes sense i fucking love I, like that that chick is uh <laughs> Wow, she's all over the place. You know what I mean? <laughs> Speaking of all over the place, I just came back from vacation with my family. Woo! How was that? It was only dramatic the last day, and I'm real proud of the Hutchinson oh, okay. uh, members. There was, yeah, it was really nice. Brantley was there. My nephew's two and a half. He now, was, was Steven there the whole time with whole you? Whole time. Okay. Oh, and his parents were there the first day. Oh. And it was so nice because my both my uncles were there and uh and Steven's dad's in a wheelchair and uh, th- there's m- many steps in the home, but we like, you know, we got him up with, there's like a way that he does a wheelie up and it's, it's, it's not that difficult to get him upstairs. You can't go to the beach though, right? Cause sand. <sighs> no, they have beach wheelchairs, but they, oh. uh, yeah, with giant bubble wheels so that he can just, but he didn't, they were only there for two oh, days. Okay. Does he, yeah. but does, can you rent them or does he own one? Um, You can't own one. Well, I guess you can own one. You rent them. You oh. rent them. But they were only there for two days. And we had this huge balcony that overlooked the ocean. It was like right on the beach. Mm-hmm. So he just kind of, he's like, I'm just going to hang out up here. Um, but it was nice. And then there was you know, every year uh, something there there's a blow up in the family. Mm. And I'm realizing, I mean, your family seems pretty drama free. Yeah, we because we that just, an accurate assessment. Yeah. Well, well, number one, it's very small. And um, Mine too. <laughs> yeah, we just don't. Yeah, there's just not. Everyone's very nice. polite. That's, wow. No one really has like, I mean, it's yeah. very boring. But yeah, there's not really a lot of drama. Yeah. Uh, at all. Can't wish I could say that for me. I don't know if I it would even feel right if there wasn't drama. But uh, but uh, yeah, but th- it was totally fine until the last day. And the last day my mom and I went shopping. <laughs> For like three hours in, in Ocean City. It was really nice. And it was just all these kitschy, like fucking mugs. I don't know. It was, it was really nice. We had mugs. a nice time. You yeah, mug shopping. Sh- <laughs> with mug shopping. I love mugs. I love a good, love a good uh, commemorative mug. Um, but, and then we parked by this massage place that looked like a hand job place, but it was Ocean City. So I was like, nah, it's probably legit. And uh, and I was like, oh, I'm really, really sore. I'm just going to go get a quick 20 minute chair massage. And I was like, okay. And she got a phone call from a member of my family and she started freaking out. She had a panic attack. In the, She came into the lobby of the massage place where I was getting the chair massage. And she starts, Edward! And she starts yelling at my dad. I'm like, mom, you can't do that here. Like, people are getting massages. I'm sorry. I don't, whatever you're mad about, I'm sure it's fine, but you gotta get the fuck out. And so she gets outside and she has a panic attack similar to the way I have a panic attack. Uh-huh. And mine can get ugly and hers got that, that as ugly as mine can get, which I didn't even know she was as bad as me. But uh, she was just on the bench crying while I was getting this chair massage. And she's like, sobbing like could you see her and hear her i could hear i couldn't see her because my face was down into the massage chair headrest and i like popped my head up and i was like maybe you know what i'll just pay you for it and i i should probably go outside and she goes no you are very stressed and like pushes me back down the massage chair (laughs) and i had like i swear like 16 of the 20 minutes of that massage was to my mother sobbing and i was like this is gonna be funny what? In a couple days. Was anything re- actually wrong? Yeah, yeah, there was something wrong. Okay. And so, so she had, I mean, 
she had she had reasoning to be really upset, but it was just like, oh man, this is just like I could write an indie movie about the vacation. Like I got addicted to the bingo lottery cards or the crossword puzzle lottery cards. Oh oh oh, the, the, the quick the quick Justy Dodge shout out. But also she she doesn't know this yet, but she got me addicted to crossword puzzle scratch off cards because you think you're gonna win, dude. You think you're gonna win? You know what? You, you get 18 letters. You, I'm gonna give you my my Christmas stocking because my mom. <gasps> insists scratch offs are also very big in my family my mother really? insists on giving me the bingo ones which take fucking forever I know that's what I love do give them to me and I, I literally like I actually might even have them still sitting from last Christmas they, I, I give not them, scratch them I give them to other people to Whoa. do She's, it's like a torture that she continues to inflict on me and I was like even if I won you know what I was like what's the max I can win on this $10,000 $10,000 on the $10 one it's not worth it for me to have to fucking take a coin and scratch it with a dime. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, you have to be very precise oh. and it's, it was like an art and I really loved it. And then, but like in the middle of the night, I'm, I got my phone on a scratch, like that's going to be like my light. So I could scratch this fucking crossword lottery ticket. And Steven just hears me go Z. Oh, fuck Z's. Oh, fucking Q. Fuck this shit. <laughs> You're very into it. <laughs> got way too into it. Bought one last night and I was like, I gotta stop. Yeah, well, I mean, that's it's, the lotto is addictive. You gotta yeah, be in it to I win it. <laughs> gotta be in it to win it. I always bought lotto, lotto like the numbers though, because mm-hmm. I was like, hey, if anyone can win, why can't me? Yeah. And I always win shit. Always. If there's an iPad raffle, I will win that fucking iPad. It's crazy. I have good luck. So I thought that maybe. Um, I would, but I didn't, I didn't have any, but I also used the scratch off lottery tickets as like a coping mechanism. Cause I always thought, I thought like my parents were going to start fighting or someone's going to start fighting. So a scratching could be therapeutic. Yeah. I, which I never really did. I never was a scratcher or a puller or poker or whatever. See, this is very, our thoughts about the lottery are very so reflective of our personalities. Cause I never play the lottery except for when people give me scratch offs, I'll, I'll do them. <laughs> Uh, or, or like I'll make James do them and I'll be like, I'll cut you 20% if we win um, for the like for the that's leg more work. than. Yeah, that's pretty good. And um, but like I actually my family always played the lottery, but I really as an adult have never played the lottery because like once you start, then you got to keep doing it. It's like addictive. And also like I don't want to win the lottery because then I feel like I would get lazy and because I don't. I, ha- I have this weird thing. I have to earn money. I can't win it. It doesn't See, feel I the would same. See, I would start a comedy club. Mm-hmm. I would start a great comedy club. I, I would probably just give it all. It and the- we'd make sketches with really good cameras. Reds. Yeah, no, I would just give it. I would I would feel kind of disgusted by it and then probably give it to the the justice project or whatever that yeah. is for wrongly accused folks. Oh, that's a good one. I'm like obsessed with that. I've been watching the confession tapes on Netflix. And so I'm, it was a, a very documentary? emotional week. It's a docu series about people who were wrongly accused and gave or gave false confessions. And then uh, because it, you know, their lives were ruined. Not a big deal. Uh, episodes one and two though, really, I almost actually quit comedy. Whoa. So, why? Because I was like, I have to go out and be a lawyer. Oh, Wow. Damn. Which I still might do, but not. You soon. could do that. Um, Just start re- studying up. <laughs> get those LSATs. I also had a very family-oriented week. My dad's birthday was in August, and so I sent him an edible arrangement on the day of. But and then I said we have to go to the city and see a show, so we went to see Kinky Boots. Oh, I've because always that. we love Cindy Lauper and we do everything Cindy Lauper, and of course the music in that is by Cindy Lauper, mm-hmm. and. Uh, 
I have this really bad habit or maybe great habit of like literally not knowing anything about shows before I see them. Like I don't. That's good. You go with an open mind. Movies. I don't read. I don't read reviews. Mm -hmm. I don't read like the synopsis. Like obviously I'll see a trailer for something, but like I do not look into it and I go in with zero expectations. And usually it's better because I'm very easily disappointed. So if I go in with like zero expectations, it's, it's, it's usually better for me. Um, And so like I had no idea this was like even about like, (laughs) like a drag queen. (laughs) Oh really? I didn't even know. You know what? So you didn't even look at the poster? Like years ago. Well, no, there's just boots. There's not a person on it. Oh, that's true. You didn't even look at cast photos. I think years ago, (laughs) I probably saw this snippet on the uh, Tony's and I, I, but I had, you know, I don't remember everything I've ever seen. So I just totally forgot it. And then like it opens and everyone's singing about shoes in Britain. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, this is terrible. And then uh, basically like 15 minutes in uh, the drag queen, you know, comes out and then it's phenomenal uh, and it's moving everything's better with a drag queen. and I'm like crying and there's this beautiful friendship. And I was like, wow. And my dad, I, I wasn't sure like how much he knew about it. Uh, and I have never been to a drag show with my dad because it's basically like a, dra- a huge drag show on Broadway. Nice. Uh, and he like loved it. I think was crying at one part, Aww. was like very moved by the story. And it's so weird because so many times, especially with dads, people like talk about like, oh, you know, especially my friends in the LGBTQ community, they're like, you know, it's like my dad really had the hardest time with mm-hmm. that. And it's like, I feel like I just have the most accepting dad in the entire fucking world because because not only like did he love it, did it hit him in all the right spots? And it's a very easy, it's like not a deep story. It's a very easily digestible story for someone who maybe is confused about like a drag queen or a trans person. I think it's like a great like oh, stepping stone thing to like take a family member to where it's like this this isn't Maybe I scary. My like, I think it's really my dad great. reacts the way that a person drafted in the military <laughs> when they were 18 and then having stereotypical ideas about homosexuals sure. and how they should all act flamboyant and th- th- those things. And I'm like, all right, dad. Yeah. And I mean, like, the, I love it because like the actor is like a really tall, really strong black man. Like he's jacked. Like he could easily beat the shit out of anybody else right right in the whole cast and then you know that's discussed and like it, you know it, it is a little like trite like it's very simplistic but i think you know all all the best musicals are pretty Dude, minimalistic face was just trying to pay their rent yeah, because and there was like, aids and shit but like yeah it was really about paying you're singing rent. about it so it has to be something that you can sing about mostly and not convey through dialogue uh but i just thought yeah so if anyone out there you know comes to new york city or for the tour comes to your town and you have someone in your family who's like not good with the lgbtq stuff i think it's a great show to kind of like seep that into their brain a little bit and my dad's great and i was very proud of him good and he's very in touch with his emotions as a man that's amazing so my dad my dad about that it had ex- has exhibited like <sighs> like eye rollies when he when he would like when he first went with me to my orientation to marymount manhattan and this like guy came out from the corner i did not know him at all and he's like aren't you excited and he like sang and jumped on my lap and and then ran away. And, and I was like, I love this place. It's magical. And my dad was like, Ugh, I gotta watch a football game. And I was like, Dad. And then I realized this later on in life. His favorite band in the whole world is Queen. Oh. Queen. Does he Queen. know? Yeah, he knows. <laughs> he didn't give a shit. Cause to him, like Freddie Mercury is the most talented man in the world. And like he's obsessed with him and 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 that band. And he got me into Queen. Like I was obsessed with Queen when I was a little kid. I'm like, your favorite band was Queen. You can't sit. Come on. Mm. 
Well, I come mean, on. That, that's a lot of Father. instances where people are ha- have this bias. But then, like, if their favorite person is, you know, that orientation or it's that okay gender that or that race, they'll yeah. be like, well, there's an exception because they're like super talented. You know. <sighs> yeah. And, you know, have you ever had sex with somebody on a family vacation? No, like I with a boyfriend. Obviously. Absolutely not. I've never I mean, we. I've never been ha- old enough to have a boyfriend when I've been on a family vacation. I haven't been on a family vacation since I was like a teenager. It did dawn on me that it was probably odd that I was. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, being I mean, with my family for would, five days was like, I just have a medal. I would never do that. Yeah, like, never. I would go someplace like, with, I do like so much with my mom or my dad. I like to I like to go. My mom and my dad are married, live together, you know, for, right. you know, what, 30 years. But I really like hanging out with them separately because it's like. Yeah, they've been together for. It's nice to. It's nice, like, because like my dad and my mom, they like different things. So I do my dad stuff with my dad and my mom stuff with nice. my mom, and I and I like the one on one. It's nice. Yeah, I shop for that. I don't know, man. It, families are so stressful, and and so uh, it's like a crowd. It's like when you do stand up, and the crowd is never ever exactly the same because it's always going to be comprised of not the same combination of exact people. Well, they're like friends you're forced to, to have. I know. I mean, that's why I mean, like, I'm not, I don't, I like my family, but like, I, I consider a lot of my friends, clo- I mean, obviously my mom, my dad, my brother, that's like the core group, like, you know, but like, as far as like other people, like cousins, so I know people who are very close with their cousins. Uh, and I'm I don't like, have any cousins. I, they're great people when I see them, <laughs> but I'm not going to like call up my cousin. Number right. one, my cousins are not even close to my age. They're either way younger, or way older. I'm yeah, happy what's the point? for them. But I, like, I have friends that busy. are in my life because I chose to have them. They're not just because someone, some other member of my family popped them out of their pussy. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? I know. It's like, why are we socially expected to hang out with our fucking families all the goddamn time? I, I mean, it is weird, good, yeah. but uh, yeah, I will. I, <laughs> I, I've I've was never able to have sex if my if I was in if either my parents were staying here or I was at my parents' house. Yeah, um, it always weirded me out. But it's then I did it. Weird, I did yeah. it. I had, and I smoked like I smoked weed off the balcony. Like through I like, I, there's something kind of fun in. Uh, having to hide your weed smoking and like I made a the thing with a dryer sheet and the toilet paper and I like puffed it back into a towel in the shower and I put the fan on it was kind of thrilling yeah see I always need to be fully alert I don't even drink around my family I need to be yeah. fully alert so I can get out of any situations <laughs> and so I also don't need so I don't say anything it's escape route because I only like them to know so much because, you oh, know, there's yeah. a lot of questions that could be involved in comedy and sex related oh, stuff. Yeah. And I don't need to answer all of those. Oh, no. And, like, and my mom's telling me sex jokes now. I'm like, all right, mom. I get that Aww. we're comfortable with each other. But <laughs> <laughs> that's sweet. <laughs> is it? Yeah. I She's it a fun lady. I think it's sweet. Hey, you guys. Want to read an email? Yeah. Do you want if you want to email us ever? Uh, oh, everyone's I got a black case. Can't ever find my fucking phone. It's always camouflage um sorry about last night's show gmail.com we got a book coming out october 24th you could pre-order it if you go to sorry about last night comedy.com slash book there's an audiobook it's amazing i yeah. laughed and cried during the audiobook well i i very much didn't do much of either but uh, <laughs> i was just going oh i could have written that sentence better that was my whole process oh see mine was like wow christina that like didn't suck mm, i have like my my writing standards for myself are, are so high but it's great because I, I every night i think of like for you know next time we write a book yeah what i could say better <laughs> that's good always improving <laughs> okay i still like it though the subject of this email I love my husband, but I want to sleep with someone else. What? Hi, Corinne and Christina. I've been listening to you ladies for a couple of years now. I just want to say I really respect 
what you are both doing. There are so few females who speak openly uh, the way you do. And I'm happy to see more women standing together as one. So a little background. I'm 25 and I've been married for a little less than a year. We were 17 and 18 when we started dating and got married on our seventh anniversary. I love my husband and can't picture anyone more perfect for me. I'm really happy in my life, career, and marriage. Three years ago, shortly before we were engaged, I fell for a classmate in college. It started out as an innocent friendship while we were both in long-term relationships, but over the course of two years, I truly believe I fell in love with him. He was very easy to talk to, and we supported each other through many obstacles like his breakup and depression struggles, my work and family issues, etc. Things didn't cross the line until one night we kissed. I stopped it and haven't seen him since. We continued to be friends and talk regularly for a few months, and then he moved into another relationship, and I got married. We hadn't talked in almost a year and I let go of any feelings I had for him. About a month ago, I heard from him out of the blue. He and his girlfriend broke up and he just needed a friend. Mm -hmm. It's been totally innocent, but my old feelings have been starting to creep back. I've been able to push that aside thus far. However, today things have apparently changed. My college friend sent me a fairly dirty sex out of nowhere. This had happened a couple times before, but I've always changed the subject and darted around the topic. He used to ask me for pictures on Snapchat and always was infatuated with my boobs. I'm an M cup. Yes, an M cup. I didn't even know that was a cup. Yeah, me neither. Jesus. So I get comments on my boobs regularly. My nickname in high school was tits. <laughs> Tits. I'm sorry. I know that's not funny, but it's kind of funny. I think it's funny. My nickname was Hey, tits. That's so fun. A lazy, you got lazy ass friends or are they brilliant? I can't decide. <laughs> I've always said no to him and we would carry on another conversation. My problem is how bothered I was by his text. I've been thinking of him all day. While I would never cheat on my husband, I can't stop imagining what it would be like to be with someone else. I used to think that I should have slept with him when I had the chance so I could get it out of my system, but I never did. Mm -hmm. I haven't been so flustered before. Now, I don't know how to proceed. I want to maintain the friendship, but I'm afraid this will continue. At the same time, I think this could come from lack of satisfaction with my husband. There we go. He is not as kinky slash explorative as I am <clears throat> and isn't really willing to try more things. While he is great, it's very routine and I want something a little more raunchy. How should I approach the situation with my husband? Should I just get some toys and bring it out when we're in bed? We have discussed the subject of cheating and he said that he uh, that would end only end in divorce. He also doesn't believe in open relationships or threesomes. Nothing to do with another person. I think some advice from an outside party would be help. great help. Thank you. Ah, so many thoughts. So many thoughts. One of them is, it makes sense that your husband has the idea that cheating would end the relationship. I think that is a more juvenile way of thinking. I've certainly thought that through, through most of my life. Um, juvenile, not in a negative sense, but if you've been together since you were 18, yes, you grow together and you become different people, but it's, it's still like, there's still some ounce of eight, 17 and 18 year old, you guys that will always, I feel like my brother was with his high school girlfriend for 10 years and that really kind of fucked them both up because they didn't want to end it because of the comfort level. And I think that, uh, if you're not sexually satisfied with your husband and you don't have a dialogue at the moment to get around that, that's, I don't know, man, that's not a good sign. You got to force each other to open up and you have to talk about, I'm the kind of person, and I don't think this is advice that the writer should follow, but if I have a crush on somebody, if I, I don't know, I just, I like to 
talk about it right away. But that's also because my partner is very open. I wouldn't want to do that with a partner who was closed minded, but I also wouldn't want to have a partner who was not open to at least having a conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think talking about the crush is not a bad idea. I mean, I, I hate, I know a lot of listeners so get upset when I say this, but I mean, the mistake was getting married at yeah. 18. I mean, it's, yeah. we see this time and time again. It's just like, there's so much growing that you are going to do primarily in your twenties. And like when you're 18, you do not know who you are going to grow up to be. And yes, like that doesn't mean like the person who I was dating when I was 18, I still love him. I think he's a great person, but I literally outgrew him. Yeah, he was I, like a bike yeah. with training wheels and he just would not, he would have, I could have stayed with him and I could have loved him. Um, to this day, I, I truly believe that, but he would have stifled me and he, I, I, it would have been in this continual pushback of me being like, no, I want to go to, I want to live in New York and be a stand up comedian and him being like, no, let me take care of you and let's lead like a more simple life. Like, no, thank you. Um, so but I mean, as far as like you entered into the marriage, so I say always like you made this decision and if, if you entered into the marriage and if you want to keep the marriage intact and if that's important to you, you need to respect the rules that you two both decide the marriage mm-hmm. runs under. So it's like if if it's, you know, I'm sure you knew that your husband before you married him wasn't into threesomes, I hope, and and wasn't into open relationships. Those are discussions you should be having. Uh, but I also feel- those those viewpoints could change over time, but it's could, certainly sure. not certainly not overnight. And it's unfair to expect his right. opinions to be changed. But if you have that thing inside you, if you have a burning sensation inside you to be with other people or be with this person, you said you fell in love with him. Not just like, it wasn't like a sexual thing. It wasn't just a crush. It wasn't just that. So I would... But she fell it's in not love go before away. they got married and then right. she still decided to get married. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like you should have dealt with that at the time. And I mean, not to be super hard on you, but like, yes, to be super hard on you. If you, if that was the person you thought you was your true love, like you kind of took this safe route and you should have broken up with this person, your, you're not, your now husband and gone after what you want, knowing that you could end up with nothing. Like, just like with everything, Gamble. love takes risks. Just like those, bi- those fucking cross crossword lottery tickets mm-hmm. you're in for a risk it's a gamble sorry i didn't mean to compare a situation in my uh, uh, gambling habit but it, it's not going to go away and it's only going to get worse yeah. that, that that urge to explore outside and so i would i think it is important for you to express that to your husband because he thinks he's signing up for one thing because you guys both agreed on it and that's not what it is and and so even if it's just with this one person your college friend um Tell them you got to be honest with each other because I, I, I mean, I know not everybody who gets married at 18, you know, they, it can work. It can work. My parents were, my mom was 18 when she met my dad and they got married they got separated for three years, but they got back together and they're still together and they are pretty happy with all the life's thrown. Right. But that's the thing. They took a break, which is much needed, but my mom never felt that. Yeah. That was a different thing, but the. You got it. That that's that's who's it's going to make you grow as a woman, as a man, as a as a person to be sexually explorative. If you have that itch, if you are more sexual than your partner, there's going to come a point, whether it's right now or you hold it in and you wait for it to explode 10 years down the line, five years down the line, whatever, where you're going to have to deal with it. Why not deal with it now? 
Yeah, and I'm also. I think you have to also answer the question for yourself. Do you want to just fuck someone else in general? And just at this point, it happens to be this college friend, or do you specifically feel a very deep connection with this uh, with this college friend? Because that to me is unclear. Because well, if it, it seems th- like they have a connection because every time they break up or this guy's broken up, he's went to yeah, her. That's like I have a guy like that. But sometimes it's just sexual though. Like I don't oh, okay. actually, you know. But so it's like you know, do you break up and, and risk everything for this guy? Do you or do you? just eliminate this person from your life, which I think if you decide to stay in the marriage, I think this per- is a person who needs to be eliminated from oh, your life. Oh, yeah, that's disrespectful to your he husband. He just has to be. And, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm sorry, there'll be other friends. <laughs> there will be other friends. Who, who won't ask you for nude photos. <laughs> There's so many other friends who won't expect any boobies on Snapchat. Yeah, and I, I would never go the route of just cheating. Uh, I would never recommend cheating. I know uh, Ashley Madison does. I am not on board with that. Trust for me is the probably important. the most important thing in a relationship. And uh, I don't, I don't, I, I know what you think by like cheating being the end of a relationship. I don't think it's not like a progressive viewpoint, but I don't necessarily disagree with it because trust is so important. And to me, that's a lack of trust. It's like, there's very few times when you cheat, especially if you're sober that you don't know it's not that when it's not premeditated. So to me, if you're going to premeditated cheat, that's just like the coward's way out. Like, to have a conversation where it's like, I need, I need to have sex with this person. That's a really hard thing to say yeah. and a really weird thing to say, but just say, I don't know. Or just like control. No, I, I agree. I agree. <laughs> I mean, cheating. While I think I've always said that I don't think cheating has to be the end all be all of the relationship. It certainly depends on each circumstance. It's very unique, but also if I got cheated on, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to stay together with the person or break up with that person, but I am going to be, Pissed. Right, like it's like, did and that's someone, a lot of repair work for that trust. Yeah, did so, did it's you kiss easy. someone in a bar, or did you uh, go to a hotel and have a you know an all night rendezvous with someone? Like those are two very different things. Oh, yeah. Like both are cheating, but like I can accept a drunk kiss in a bar. Yes. Uh, and with like not and not destroying the relationship. But if like you were, you know, going undercover or like having sex with like, your secretary like time and time again, like that's going to be really, really hard to get over. And like this relationship right now, this, is, this has been going on for you so long. You're not going to I mean, you're you're guilt. You're going to be guilty if you do anything without talking to your husband. Yeah, <laughs> there's no real that's way. Why, that's this. why I'm like, if you have the conversation now, you really just lay it out and be like, dude, this is this is actually something I'm really struggling with. Like, I am very sexually attracted to this person and it's weird and I want to have sex with them and I mean however you want to say it whatever you want to say whatever details right that's how that's what I would just spit it out baby that one's hard that one's hard you can also go the other route where you just say I am not being fulfilled sexually so I would start that's a good I would start good, with that because he doesn't seem as he's <laughs> this doesn't seem as progressive as Stephen so um I would say yeah I'm not being fulfilled sexually but like say it seriously have a sit down talk not just like a under your breath kind of thing or like a passive aggressive statement which I don't know how it's come in the past but you know I'm a woman so it probably came out like that <laughs> um, and just really say like you like I need to do more things I am very sexual you know we've been together this whole time I really haven't been explorative with anyone but you and this is like in- integral to me it's it's so important um, and start with that <laughs> Start with that. Yeah. And take it from there. <laughs> and then take it from there. And be like, I want to fuck my friend. Sorry. <laughs> um, 
Uh, so today's guest, I'm very excited to have her on. God, I've known her for so long. She's a wonderful comedian, storyteller, actress, writer, and now she is a breast cancer prevention advocate because uh, she went through a preventative double mastectomy. Uh, it's a very hard word to say. And but you did it so well. It's very, I can't ever always get all the letters out. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Caitlin Brodnick. But you present. You yeah. present as happy. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I be a co- the spokesperson for it. It's really helpful. If I'm not on it, you don't. I I won't show up. Like I'll just oh, like really? be in my house and like nothing matters. Yeah. Oh God. I, you know what? Maybe I don't need to go on Zoloft because I save so much money and time by just staying in my house. It is. It's a good thing to do. <laughs> How long have you been on Zoloft? Oh, I've been on medication since I was like. 19. Oh, wow. Like, I like am clinically depressed and I have like high anxiety. Oh, which okay. Which is fun. Ask my husband. <laughs> See, you're one of the few, I mean, my, my mom has depression. I know a lot of people in my life have, have depression, but you're one of the people that I would never have guessed. I know it's has great. depression. Well, I don't, I don't want my, de- I don't want to inflict my depression on anybody else. Like mm-hmm. it's very much like an isolated depression mm. or like my depression is like, I don't think it's worth when I get really down. It's like, it's not worth getting up and showering or I don't, I don't want to leave or communicate with anybody. Like it's a very, I, I isolate a lot. And mm. so I don't really do anything. And then it's like, why be alive? What's the point? And like, it gets, gets really bad. Got it. And then you're like <laughs> not showered and you're questioning your existence. Yeah. Mm. And then you're smelling yourself. I'm and you're really like, fun. Ugh. Buy my book. Light some candles. <laughs> you're draw voice. a bubble bath. <laughs> <laughs> the voice and the ailment don't match. They don't. It's and that's fun. fine. I like it. That's probably good for comedy. It. Yeah. <laughs> You don't need to to see all that dark shit. I feel like we have enough of that anyway. Like all of us have enough. That was the thing. Like I was in theater school and they kept trying to make me play all these intense dramatic roles. And they always cast me as like an old man with a dying daughter. What? Yes. Every Shakespeare role. Because they wanted you to like not be your voice. You got to stretch yourself. You got to learn. And Mm. I was like, 
know. I'm, I'm crying all the time by myself. Why would I like cry as a profession? Yeah. It's not for me. <laughs> and also you're going to go out into the real world and they're going to cast you based yes. off of asset attributes that they see and hear right away. Yes. The only monologue I had was Leonardo from Measure for Measure. And he talks about his dying daughter. And like, <laughs> I, that's the only one I have memorized by heart from college. Cause I was like cramming everything else in this for some reason. I like couldn't ever forget it. Oh. And I did a couple of auditions when I first moved to the city, like as like a cool edgy monologue. Yeah. Like it's different gender roles see something bleak yeah and they were like this is awful this is uh, do you know how to read like it really looked like i was dumb it wasn't like a gender bending oh. <laughs> they were like did you just google like you, oh, yeah boy. that yeah. wasn't anything reaching outside the box for them so much as like a huh yeah did they, you do shakespeare uh monologues for like film auditions or only theater no only theater okay was i was gonna just, say like that would be really that would be i would be this dumb, a christopher guest movie Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we don't need to hear brutus <laughs> yeah. like, no you do yeah no i i got into the dramatic shakespeare monologues when I was uh, the is Brutus sick the Porsche monologue from Julius Caesar was like yeah. I fucking would walk down the street and recite that shit yeah um that's anyway what yeah oh yeah. yeah and it was fun it was fun yeah um so you are you're a comedian mm-hmm. you're an author your book came out September 12th mm-hmm. dangerous boobies because you cut your titties off yeah <laughs> they're done it was more I know it was uh more medical than that Yes. But that's essentially what happened. Now I'm just looking at your boobs, but I'm like, I still can look see, at them. I still see them. See, can you explain this process? Because I truly, I mean, I I've seen video like videos of it. I've seen dramatic interpretations of it, to be honest. Um, and dramatic interpretation. Yeah, like we're just like a woman with a mastectomy yes. is like just sitting in half light, yes. naked, holding herself. You know, yes. we've all. I mean, we've all seen it. Yeah, and it's black and white photos. And it's. You're very it's sad. Bad. It's like not funny, well, but it's the is. same lighting it's as so the Ann Getty's photos, which is it weird. Is. It's like you're either a baby or a survivor. or a, or yeah. no tits <laughs> or, or no titless. Tits. No, it's it really intense. I that was like sort of the opposite Jesus. of what I wanted to do in this book and in everything. I was like, I'm Good. not. This isn't. Don't feel bad for me. <laughs> I chose to do this. It was great. It was right. everything went okay. The surgery was wonderful. Like it was a good decision I made. The whole time I was like so nervous. I was like, what if I regret this for the rest of my life? What if I hate this? But it went so well. And I'm so much happier and more empowered in my body. So, so like, what went into that decision? Okay, so my dad's the only surviving person in his family. They've all died oh of cancer. God. He lost both parents and both sisters to cancers. And so I grew up, I was born nine months after my aunt died of breast cancer at 33. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they think she got it at 27 and she was like, early eighties. And she just like, did not want to deal with it. And she was young and she was living in LA and she had these crazy friends and it was like right after hippie era. And they were just like feeling life. And she just like, didn't want to deal with it. Medical industry's a lie. Yeah. Girl. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I like, don't know all the things like it still like drives my father crazy that she never went to the doctor. But mm. when she finally did, it was like the size of a golf ball and it was like mm. black, like a black mass. Like <gasps> most people don't see that. You don't see that development Doesn't of cancer. Get that far. No, because yeah, you tr- a lot of people are taking care of themselves. So I was born nine months after. And in the Jewish tradition, it's like if you're born next after a family member that died, you're named after them or your middle oh, name or something. Wait, really? Yeah. yeah. It's real morbid, so but if a nice. family member dies within uh, like a year of your wait. I mean, that's well, not like common. Most recent. Yeah, but usually it's like your grandmother. Yeah. And oh. it's like it keeps the tradition going and like it's just like and it, and it is, oh. it's thought of as like a special thing. Yeah. Like my cousin, my grandpa's name was Samuel. So my cousin uh, and he passed away of cancer, mm-hmm. um, some brain thing, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was cancer. And then uh, and then my little cousin is named Samantha. Yeah. And so it's like oh. it's supposed to be like a nice thing. Yeah. And, 
But when I was born, they were like, your aunt just died of cancer. <laughs> you are her reincarnation. And it like oh, scared no. the shit out of me. Ooh, Ooh I, that's anxiety. I, yeah. And I, oh yeah, that's why I've when been did on they meds. tell you that? Oh, I knew that immediately. I was just, they would say like, we love you. You're, you've saved us. You, at first you it was a positive us. thing that like my grandmother was going to like go into a depression or kill herself. And so because oh, I, my mom found out I was pregnant, you know, she was pregnant. Then she, <laughs> jinx. Uh, my mom found out she was pregnant. Caitlin's also pregnant. I'm also pregnant, yeah. guys. That's all I can think about. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, so then the whole family was like, it was a celebratory thing. Okay. And it was how I saved my family, but it was a lot of pressure on me as a child. I was going to say. And I also knew like what death was immediately. Like it wasn't, it wasn't this thing that like I learned slowly over time or they explained it like, and then my poppy died when I was in sixth grade. And then my bubby died freshman year of college. Really I love Caitlin. Really uh, doing it gram- Grandma and grandpa nicknames <laughs> are so cute. Are. I heard one Meemaw the other day. Yeah, sure. I'm like, Meemaw. What sure, the call fuck is that? I know. And it's then adorable. So yeah, so everybody kept dying. So I was like, <laughs> <laughs> That's your se- that has to be your second That's book. my second. Yeah. Everyone kept, kept dying. dying. <laughs> <laughs> Question mark? Um, <laughs> LOL. Yeah. And so I was, I was just obsessed with death as a kid, but not cool obsessed, like mm. panicked obsessed. Like oh. wouldn't let people leave the house before I said, I love you to their face. Cause I oh my God. figured out what your parents created a monster. They didn't like, I don't think they knew because I think everyone was so devastated in the loss of Iris, my dad's sister. Mm-hmm. Like she really left everybody like in shock. She was so young. My parents were just married that year. So you weren't named after her then? Uh, her middle name. I'm Eileen, oh. Caitlin oh. Eileen. So oh, my middle oh, okay. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. Got it. So they were just like, I think they were in such shock that it was like, how do you cope with this? Like you have to turn it into a positive. And they were like giving so much. So this is very Lady Gaga, Joanne. You know that, right? <laughs> oh no, I didn't even. Yeah, that's jo- that Joanne is Lady Gaga's dad's sister. Oh. She explained the whole story on tour. Sorry. I was oh, just like, I, I was just like, and I was like, holy shit, this is just Gaga. like Joanne. <laughs> we got to talk Gaga. <laughs> that's why she was so into it. Yeah. So yeah, so I, so that was just like an intense place to be. And then, Growing up as a kid, we went to a bunch of funerals uh-huh. all the time. And Whoa, all the time? All the time. We Kids, were like, get in the car. Yeah, get in the car. We got another fune. And, um, <laughs> were they open casket? No, because they're Jewish. Jewish don't have oh, open Jews casket. Oh, Jews do Thank God. Yeah. Thank God. But lots <laughs> of that shiva. That is a bitch. I L- first oh, funeral gross. at like 17 no, no, no. or 18 and it was open I mean, casket. no disrespect, but they scare the shit out of me. <laughs> it's, just, I mean, no, it's just very jarring. It's so jarring for a child. To see like, a person you loved. And they look puffy. They don't look the same. They're, they do not look I mean, look they're good. dead, so they're not the same. So <laughs> Very true. That's a thing. Um, you should teach teach death to children because your voice is so welcoming (laughs) that I feel like they would listen. Hey guys, is your grandpa not in here anymore? Yeah, he's in the ground. (laughs) He's buried. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? You like digging with dirt. It could be part of him. (laughs) That's my next book. Um, No, it's so, I don't even know. Oh, Oh, the reason So much sitting shiva, so much of that shit. Yeah. So I grew up thinking like cancer was coming from my little sister because we had an identical family structure as my father's. It was a young boy I mean, the youngest was a boy and then two older sisters. And Mm -hmm. so it was me. I'm first born, then my sister, then my brother, Mm -hmm. who was much younger also. Sort of the same pattern my dad's family had. So immediately I was like, oh, my sister's going to die as a kid. And I kept asking my parents, like, is Mackenzie going to die? Is she going to be okay? So like, I was very obsessed with her safety. And then as I got older and older, and then when my breasts developed, I was like, oh, this is how I go. Like, I'm going to get breast cancer. It's going to take me to. And like, I saw so many family members like go through cancer treatment that 
I was telling a friend that like, I don't think I could have, you know, you see those incredible cancer survivors and those warrior women who are like running triathlons Mm -hmm. and they are so badass and they're in remission. I don't know if I psychologically could have handled that because I had seen it go so poorly the other way. And it's so Mm. ingrained in my history and in my life that I don't think I would have been one of those women. I think I would have been like, oh, okay, this is, this is how I die. Like, let me start getting ready. And like, I just would have taken it very differently. And I think that that was why, well, that was why when I got diagnosed with the genetic mutation that gave me a higher chance of cancer, I went insane. Like it felt Mm. like I got a cancer diagnosis. And then I did have that sort of- When you found that out? I think I was like 25. Okay. I was young and my dad wanted me to get checked way earlier because he found out about the gene um, like 15 years ago. He went to Johns Hopkins. He's in the medical field. So he offered himself up to like science with Johns Hopkins and said, you know, take any blood samples, take any cheek swabs, DNA. Like there has to be a reason that all my family members died. It's not coincidence. It can't be bad luck. And it was, it was for, because we all had this mutation. Mm. And so I think it was comforting to him because somebody who understands science and is in that world, he was like, oh, if there's a cause, there could be a solution. Right. So this is a really a hopeful thing. It's like scary and overwhelming, but it could be really helpful. So he really wanted us to get checked right For away. That mutation. Yeah. And I was okay. like, no, like <laughs> I was like, you didn't want the just news. out of college. I was like, there's no way. Like I'm like living a fun life. I'm like a comedian in New York city. Why would I want that? Like, mm-hmm. why would I need any of that? It's and so then, funny. So many people don't go to the doctors because oh, they yeah. don't want the thing that they're going to need, the red flag that they're going to need to know to save them. Don't want to go to the doctor because you don't want to be, I feel like I didn't want to be a part of that club. I didn't Mm want to be a part of the cancer club. I didn't want to go to a cancer center. I didn't want to sit with the people going through treatment. Like I wanted, it almost felt like if I like said, okay, to even getting the test that I was like allowing cancer to come closer, like Mm -hmm. every time Mm -hmm. getting involved. And so I finally got tested when I thought I was going to lose my health insurance. <laughs> oh, okay. I was like, you That'll know what? Do it. <laughs> I was quitting my shitty, shitty day job. Yeah. yeah. And I was like trying to pursue comedy and um, acting full time. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll get it checked. And it came back positive and it like blew me away. And I just got trashed for three years and became like an insane alcoholic. Yeah. I didn't know that. So <laughs> yeah. what, what, what about, um, what about it made you want to drink? Like what did drinking do to that anxiety or fear or like whatever? It, just, it made me feel like, like there was always, it really became like a victim of it. Like I really mm. let myself be this victim and go like, oh, well, it's going to get me anyway. Uh, this is so terrible. My bad luck. And I really didn't take it as an opportunity to inform myself. I took it as an opportunity to like check out. Like I just wanted to be drinking to check out. Like if it was, um, the night I, so I had like so much stress in my mind and body and thoughts during the day that then like at night I'd be like, guys, tonight has to be the best night of our lives. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we got to go all night long. We got to sing karaoke and then we got to do some of this and we got to do some of that. And then like, we got to mm-hmm. keep going. Like I needed, I counted on like an alcohol or a substance to give me that relief that I was not having at all during the day. Oh, okay. And what I, I tried to like stop drinking. I would, I would like stop drinking for like a couple days at a time or I'd, I'd try and like not do anything. And then my way of coping, like I had no coping skills basically. So then every two weeks I was like a binge drinker. I wasn't like a daily alcoholic drinker. I was like, Mm. I would just like hold off and hold off and hold off. And then like every two weeks I would just have these like horrific, massive drink binges that would take me to the hospital or I'd get into fights or I'd fall. And like, that is another version of alcoholism because you can't stop drinking once you start. 
They talk about binge drinking a lot, but I, I don't know why I always thought that meant you don't eat and then you drink. Oh, I mean, that's true, too. Is I mean, binge like binge drinking, though? I don't even know. It may, that makes like, sense. It's like non-stopping. Like, you know, when you it's like people like binge eating. It's like as right. much as you, you can never fill yourself up. OK. Like, emotionally. And really. would you like vom- throw up and vomit? I vomited sick? constantly oh, when no. I drank. And I just like <laughs> I was like at college. I'd be like vomit and rally at weddings. Like I just oh, like damn. I was puking at every wedding I was ever in. Like I really like was did not have Did anybody any say anything? Well, it was sort of that thing of like, I was a young, happy, perky girl. I had fun blonde highlights. And they were like, mm-hmm. you're just crazy. You're just crazy, Caitlin Brodnick. Oh, and like, so you didn't let any of the sadness show no. while you were drinking. Well, and also so many women, especially in New York yes. City, binge drink. I mean, I never binge drink to that capacity where I was right. myself in the hospital getting in fights. And I mean, usually, you know, don't vomit till the next day. Mm-hmm. But I mean, certainly like I was partying like 24, 25. I was partying for like 72 hours straight usually. Yeah, and that's allowed like in the comedy community. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> you do it like and performing and being young and that thing of like, you only live once and all this stuff. Like when it kind of doesn't even stop when you get older, which is the problem with comedy. Cause yes. like no. 35 isn't old in comedy. You it's just work comedy. You work at a bar basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're like all the same. It's, it's all the same. Yeah, for me though, like, <clears throat> so there are like, and they talk about this like, Sober people will like refer to this like there's somebody who is an alcoholic or maybe just a heavy drinker. Like some people are just like can drink heavily and yeah. like they're okay and they don't they don't depend on it and it's not an addictive thing. But like once I had one drink, I was like obsessed with like my second and third. Like I I'd be like anxious if I made sure if like the waitress wasn't over and shouldn't fill the drink up high enough. Like oh, I whoa. I really was like it was consuming. Yeah. And damn. then the issue was you'd wake up in the morning, be hungover and then hate yourself. So then it was consuming. And even when you were sober, technically, mm-hmm. and then you couldn't win, you couldn't win. And then I just want to drink to stop the chaos in my brain. So no friend said anything because it really, truly didn't seem like they didn't see that side of it. They didn't I see mean, the dark side. Cause I'm, I'm curious about what if you have, if, if somebody has a friend, I feel like we all have friends uh, that, and we've gotten this question a lot. Like mm-hmm. my friend, I think is an alcoholic. Do I say something? What do I say? Do I shut the fuck up? And what would you say? I mean, what, how did you fi- fix it or, or get rid of it? Well, an alcoholic or a person who truly has like a problem isn't going to get fixed until they want to get fixed Yeah, or, or not fixed, but like wants to seek help. So there's not and really- And they want to stop. And they want to stop. But there is a way that you can bring it to their attention that it is upsetting or frustrating you. Like I- when I woke up in the hospital, I saw my husband's face and we had just been married two months. And I was like, oh my God, I'm taking this man in this horrific like horror mm. with me. And this is not what I said when I said my vows. This isn't how I promised, you know, when I was like begging him to marry me because I loved him so much. Like this is not like what <laughs> you were. <laughs> oh, I was obsessed. I'm obsessed with him. I, my hus- I am so fucking in love with my husband. It's Aww. crazy. And then the second I met him, I was like, I need you in my life. Like we could be friends. Like we could be like <laughs> colleagues. But, like you need to be in my life constantly. Like it was. So, he's the That's best. Very sweet. <laughs> yeah, but he, obviously he was into it. Obviously, yeah. God. He was like, Oof. I'm in. Yeah. Thank God. Um, Somebody wrote about the book. They're like, I wonder how much your husband knew how much you talk about their sex life in this book. I was like, yes, he edited it for me. He knew. He knew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, legally, they, you got to get their permission. Yeah. Legally, I guess. Um, yeah, so so seeing his face and his, he didn't even say anything, but just like him having to go through that night in the hospital with me, it was just like a horrific night. And I was like, I saw the uh, reaction. I, I saw what my drinking was inflicting on him. And that's when I was like, oh God, like this isn't, at all what I wanted, who I wanted to be as a person, what I wanted for him. And like the drinking, even he at first didn't think I was an alcoholic because a lot of people think alcoholics are older men that are divorced and wear trench coats. Like it, yeah. it really like it is an image and a stigma. And my first or second thing, 
You're not allowed to bring up podcast. Oh, you're not? They don't want you to talk. And I always slip. They don't want you to talk about it because- We can edit it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Well, there's nobody should be a representative for- Yeah, Yeah, no one thinks that. I mean, I don't think that. No, but it it is sort of like a slippery slope because if you become sort of like a figurehead for something like that, that is such a community, then that puts a lot of pressure on you. It puts a lot of pressure on maybe a suffering alcoholic who would be looking at you and let's say you relapse, which is really common. Somebody would be like, oh, well, see, it doesn't work. And like, it's just- Oh, they're just trying to protect their branding? No, not protect their branding, but like the point of- that like it's not one person there's not one person it's it's just all a group and self-supporting and that's really how it succeeds is that Mm. you're not told there's no big boss there's nobody who is taking your money like it's all group support and that you heal by hearing how other people got through it and like Mm. most people who have an addiction or a problem don't want to be told what to do like if you're true if you're working through stuff and if you're like trying your whole life to avoid this like pain or whatever it is like to have somebody say like you have to do this is really uncomfortable but if you can hear and talk to other people their stories and share their experiences it's just like a better a better way to heal and it's It's a good yeah that's a good way it just it I love it it. like I really love it but they say like not to bring up their name in any like um radio (laughs) or podcast or I didn't have to let us know where to edit because I'm confused no I know (laughs) I know but I always want to tell you guys I I like I love that segment in the middle so because I would like to do that so what you know what if we bleeped out the name that's great and then you know I can explain it yeah yeah that's a great idea okay um I know I feel bad well I was just trying to explain to you guys because it's so that's interesting I didn't know that and it's so nice. supportive and it, it has helped me. And like hearing for me, somebody could say like, don't do this or don't do that. But if I hear someone's story about how they got through the pain yeah. or how they manage, I would be more attracted and interested in talking to them more about it. Well, I think too, because if you're, especially if you're an anxious person, I'm an anxious person. Mm-hmm. I know you just said you were, you have anxiety. If someone says do the, like it, whatever goal you want to achieve, I don't want to drink or I want to lose weight or whatever the fuck it is. And they say, well, don't eat this. That automatically you start hating yourself because you're like, oh, I'm probably going to eat that. Oh, someone's going to tell me I'm a failure because they know I'm going to eat it. And then eventually I'm going to fucking eat it. You can just start yeah. creating all this unnecessary pressure on yourself. Well, there's already like so much pressure going into it. Like if you are like heavily addicted or are feel that you could be an alcoholic there, you're not coming from like a happy celebratory place. Like mm-hmm. a lot of times they say like drinking worked for me until it didn't. Like maybe it did work for you for a couple of years and it was going really well. And then it turns out you can't actually manage your life or things are really difficult or your relationships are crumbling or you're moving a bunch of places around the country because everywhere you go, you sort of create chaos. And Mm. like, there's a lot of things where you go like, it's not working anymore. And it was what I relied on. And maybe it was working when I was younger or even last week, but it's not. So you still that during that whole time, those three years where you were heavily drinking, Mm -hmm. you didn't, you didn't address the the results of you having that gene? No. Okay. I was like, it was the best ticket to get a free drink because someone will buy it for like some sad girl who has a story of like, I don't know, I could die of cancer any minute. You never Uh, know. (laughs) Like it was just like crazy. And so people thought I was just highly emotional. And then when I started to go and get help and people saw the way I changed and how I was happier and had more self-esteem. And then also I would explain- Help for the alcoholism? Yeah, when I got help for the alcoholism. Um, And then- I would say to people like, you know, when I'm like on our asses to like get the waitress over for the third drink, like, and you're trying to have a conversation, all I can think about is drinking. I'm like, that's alcoholic. <laughs> like, oh, that's not a healthy thing. And they, like, I was educating my friends as well. So mm. that was, we all really learned. And then I've met so many young, wonderful, fun women in being sober. And it's sort of, you click together because you're like, there's a couple of us 
and we still want to have fun. We still want to have really great lives, but we just know that like that was a tool that we can't use anymore. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And cool. uh, so during this time, so you were ignoring the gene, but did anyone in your family say, hey, like, Caitlin, why don't you get that checked out? Yeah. Or did you not share the results with your family? No, I told them right away. <clears throat> it was like a really terrible experience when I found out and told them right away. And it felt like I was telling everyone I had cancer. My sister is negative for the gene. Oh. So and she got tested a couple years before me. So that like really fueled everyone's fire. They're like, oh, maybe you don't have it. Maybe you're negative. Like maybe mm-hmm. you won't have the gene. Um, and I just knew in my heart I had it. I'm the most Jewish of the family. (laughs) I'm so Jewish. I like make my own challah and I like know the prayers. I'm like the most Jewish. And so I um, was like, I have it. Like I know I have it. And so when I got, when I got that positive, I, I just panicked. And the thing is when you get tested, it means that you have a higher risk in your lifetime. It doesn't mean that you have cancer today or tomorrow. Right. Like it could not even happen. Some people, it doesn't happen at all. It's highly likely that it will. I, they told me I had an 87% chance in my lifetime of getting breast cancer. Yeah. Um, wow, that's pretty high. It's odds. pretty high. Like, and the medical, I feel like the medical industry, the field, whatever, they don't, they don't exaggerate anything. Well, they don't, they don't I wanna... think now because of like testing and how things have changed, it's down to like 83% chance. Like it may be, but still like that's if I got huge... an 80 <laughs> something that's on a good. test, I'd be proud of myself. I'd yeah. be like, wow, I'm like a, a B plus student. Yeah. I mean, look at me. So that, and that's the thing is that like, yeah, you don't really get like um, test results and percentages of your basically like expectancy to get a terrible disease that often, you know, right. like you talk about like avoiding too much sugar for diabetes or this or that, or trying to take care of yourself. But to if somebody hand you a piece of paper that has that information on it, it was not something I think most people are at all prepared for. Even if you, that's why I tell friends and family, like if you're thinking of getting genetic testing, don't do something online where they just send you a piece of paper. Yeah. That's what Go I did to, with 23 It's hard. Thing. Well, there's like 23 and me that can do, you can do it for like where your family of origin in origin is, mm-hmm. but then there's also something that has like your genetic health risks. Yeah. That's and like so, I opted for both. Yeah. yeah, It's hard. I mean, yeah. it's really hard to read. And Oh, I want that one though. I know, but I would say go to a genetic counselor. I was going to say, can, I, can anyone get it done? But yes. isn't that a lot more expensive though? No, probably. it's not. No? It's insurance. If you end up- Oh, if you well have, then yes, it is for me. You don't have any insurance? I mean, I have like, if you are dying, we might give you a but banana. Still, you, give you a Band-Aid. But if you have any risk of cancer, if anybody's in your immediate family has had cancer and if you're Ashkenazi descent, they really won't discriminate against you for that. And it's considered, and so the testing is- an average lab test. What and do you then, mean they won't discriminate you against you I mean, for being that's Ashkenazi? Like, because like- It's your higher risks. You're incredibly higher risk. It's one in 40 people. For just cancer or for just dying for in this, general? No, for this genetic- <laughs> If you want this genetic test, you are more likely to get approved by your insurance. Oh, okay. Oh, if you're and, Ashkenazi. Okay. Yes. And, and if you, or if you have like a mother or family member, immediate family member that has had breast cancer or a cancer that's considered one of the BRCA sort of like red flag cancers. Is testicular, is testicular cancer one of those? I'm not sure. I was just reading that. I know pancreas, prostate. Well, isn't there no ovarian. cure for pancreatic cancer? I'm pretty sure that's the one that there's no cure for. Well, it's a very deadly <clears throat> cancer, yeah, but yeah. Um, there is treatment for it. So even if you just want to- elongate. To elongate, but my aunt had, they said she was, this, we're talking about pancreatic. Uh, They said she had six months to live and she lived for six years. Oh, wow. Oh, damn. So there are some, yeah, there are some like really nice success stories or more successful than others. But Mm -hmm. so if you are at high risk, I would just say, see 
inquire and then see you might need like a referral or two. Okay. And then what you do is you sit with a genetic counselor and they are like saints, you guys. They are the best people I believe in the medical industry. Hmm. They are like therapists mixed with an incredible scientist. So they understand everything. They understand all of the all of the paperwork you would get, all of like the mathematics behind it, everything. And then they know how to communicate it to you and how to explain it to you to break it down and how you would might need to talk to your family or to mm. your job or what it means the so next That would have helped when so, you first found out. Oh my God, yes. I didn't do that. I Okay, so if you have, if you're if you live in a family and there's a gene that is a deadly gene in your family and you're worried you might have it, well, that's probably yeah. a better way to find out if you have it it's or not. It's much better. And if you feel that you're counselor. at risk, like you... You know, if your doctor's like, ah, oh, you're fine. You can go to another doctor and be like, no, I need someone else to give me a referral. Like yeah. if you deeply feel that you need this, even if you're negative and you just know that, like even let's say you test negative, maybe the doctor was right, you don't have it. But to have that assurance to feel comfortable is so much better. And the genetic counselor I've met, they've all been like these amazing miracle workers. And the problem is that like, I don't think we're given any tool to learn how to handle that type of information. It's so intense. Yeah. And so I really think sitting with a genetic counselor. I mean, even some places might even do it. There might be some centers that give you low cost that might be able to do a sliding scale. Like if you just look into genetic counselors and sort of that system, it takes a little bit more Googling. It might be a little bit more work on your end, but then emotionally will help you so much more. So like, but what, so what if you found out that you are positive for one of these genes, but it's not like, it's not something like breast cancer where you can do like a preventative mastectomy. Like, what do you, so, so you, what do you do? Just like keep an eye on it, basically? it's, it's kind of nice because your, your folder gets like a red flag and you basically go to the head of the class. Like you Mm. then from then on insurance wise, and even all your doctors will look at you with a higher, uh, like a higher focus, a higher lens of your body. And so where somebody else, like some women don't, it's not recommended to get um, mammograms or anything until they're almost in your thirties. If you had the gene, you could get tested twice a year and just get screenings and go to your doctor starting at like 25 or younger. So the, the amount of testing and the amount of care you get is much more um, sophisticated and hands-on than if you were just an average patient. Mm. So in that way, it's really nice because you don't have to physically do anything. You don't have to remove your breasts. You don't have to think of anything like intense, no intense surgery, but just that you would be around really brilliant doctors that know that your body is maybe different than the average person. That's a piece of huge peace of mind. It is. And like, it can help you feel safe. I mean, for me, it was like really hard to go all those doctor's appointments. Like each time made me more and more stressed, but I have a good friend who loves her breasts and feels very connected. And, um, she feels like she'd rather go get tested twice a year than have anything like that. So what led you to snip snip well yeah I so for the BRCA gene it's really like breast cancer and ovarian cancer like the main highlights right now I think there's other genetic cancers that you because just to answer that question of like getting tested for but Mm -hmm. it's that's really like where I understand my wheelhouse but I think for those other genes it's I don't know if they have anything I'm not really sure like the protocol Mm -hmm. but it's more common right now to be tested for BRCA you know, it's like, and so it's hard too, because you can get those test results and it can be like, oh, you could maybe have heart disease one day. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. those things are just to keep your, just be healthy, you Mm -hmm. know, like just keep yourself healthy, go to the doctor, don't ignore them for five years or something. But, um, for BRCA, there are certain actions you can take and things in place at hospitals that can help you out in that specific way for surgery, if you wanted surgery. Okay. And what, what is the recommended uh, age to get your first mammogram at? 
That's why I've always been wondering. Because I thought it was a little higher. My GYN said it, it, not until you're at least in your early 30s. Yeah, I think it's around 30s. But because they haven't mentioned it to me at all, and like I know my mother is like very on top of her medical mm-hmm. stuff, and she's and she I don't think started getting them till possibly like 40. Yeah, I but think she gets them regularly. Yeah, I think it's like the hard thing is that with when you're younger, um, even when you're, it depends on. Um, your body, but younger women have denser breasts. They're called, they call them dense breasts, which so is perky. In yeah, other words, hot, uh, amazing tits. But that means that you have beautiful pillowy tits. Yeah. I get it. You're winning. Okay, fine. Um, <laughs> so, but that means that you have more like this, the images are more, there's looks like there could be, let's say more clusters or more bumps. And so the doctor would look at somebody who's young and have dense breasts and say, okay, let's do another scan. That's a more in depth scan, right? which is really common. But for the patient to hear a doctor go like, okay, we're going to get deeper just to make sure it's not cancer is really traumatizing. Yeah. And that was really hard for me. Um, but that that's what happens when you're younger. And so I think maybe some doctors don't, the risk isn't there. So they're like, why bother? Why stress you out if you don't, if it's just going to be a dense breast tissue and really be nothing. Mm, right. Because that does happen a lot. But the, okay. So like my breasts are very small. So I always like make a joke. Like if like, you know, they're always like feel your tits for yes. lumps. It's like, I mean, yeah, I'm going to probably feel there's not a lot there. Like my whole hand can cup one whole breast. Great. So, <laughs> that's great. but so, but I mean, like, are there, there are still things that I couldn't feel right? Like underneath inside the tissue. I mean, so there are microscopic, like if, if a cancer cell did develop, that was like a very early phase of cancer. Yeah. It could be so small that you wouldn't feel it. Yeah. Um, but if it's probably unlikely unless you're at high risk. So, right. Cause I was like, I was like, that's not just me being silly. Like I really thought it would, mm-hmm. should be easier t- for me to spot a lump because my breast is smaller. That's no, I mean, logic, like, and like, yeah. Right? And like okay. you can, and you should be like, there's all these, like you do circular things, yeah. you do up and down. There's like all these things that oh, they to recommend. detect for lumps. Yeah. It, you can like Google them all online. It's like you first, you do like a spiral and then you do up and down, then you do a cross and it's oh, like, whoa. you're just feeling it. Just dancing it's like when Tom tits. Green wrote that song about his balls, but only for your tits, yes. like squeeze your balls. So you yes. don't get cancer. Yes. I fucking love that. Okay. It's great. <laughs> oh, Tom Green. Very informative like, and fun. Been? Yeah. <laughs> I miss him. Um, so yeah, so you can definitely do that. But if you are somebody who's nervous or alarmed, like you're allowed to figure out a way to get that doctor appointment. You know, like yeah. you're, you're allowed to do that. Like it's, I think sometimes as women, like we get nervous that we don't want to be too pushy or too annoying or oversensitive. And everyone's kind of trying to calm us and quiet us down, but like, fuck it, do whatever you want. Like, yeah, it's, it's you have every right to. Well, my mom just went to, my mom's had a slew of medical issues since the past like two decades, but she, the doctor wanted to take out her intestines and she was <laughs> reading online about this certain test that you can get to make sure that there's, so her no intestines are fucked up. Like her, mm-hmm. inte- her intestines need to come out basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, her transverse colon, she got the test. The doctor didn't order it. And the test, it gave her the results that she needed a different surgery. They were just going to do the original surgery. So she didn't fucking be proactive about her own health mm-hmm. and say, hey, I need, I'm going to request this test. I don't give a fuck if you don't want it or not. And then that ended up causing her to not have a, a surgery that she didn't need. That's great. You like know? that's the thing. And that's, that's what you hear. But I feel like doctors think that they know a lot and, and they do. They, they know, know more so than much. me. Yeah. And of like, course. I get into that, I get into that office and I get like very intimidated. You know, there's all these like machines or tools or everything. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm and so also, nervous. Too, doctors can be mean. 
They can. I've, I've witnessed doctors be mean to my mom and my mm-hmm. mom just fucking take it with her tail between her legs. And mm-hmm. I'm like, no, 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 no. What, don't talk to her that way. Like I've had to yell. I've called doctor's offices and yelled at them. That's fine. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, like no one should treat you like you're not worthy or you're just like some other person that is annoying them or like some other idiot on their schedule. Like that's not at all how you should be treated. Yeah. And we have to keep arguing for ourselves. And it, if it means you're an emotional, crazy woman and they mark you as a crazy person, I don't care. Fuck it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Um, I actually Googled all of my doctors before I had any sort of medical thing. Bef- when you have to choose your doctors sort of beforehand, they didn't, I was wondering if I could do like a test drive with a bunch of doctors. My hospital was like, <laughs> no, honey, you have to like choose your doctor. And then, you know, if you really don't like it, you can move. But they wanted me to like sign up with a doctor to start. Mm-hmm. But I went on like message boards. I went on Facebook. I went on Twitter. I just was trying to find any reviews of the doctors because if a doctor was like harsh or had a bedside manner, I was like, no, like yeah. cannot deal with them. And it's like a sensitive subject. And yeah, you don't so want that. I was like you. scanning for like kind doctors, thoughtful doctors. And I just went. I would these, too. Yeah, I, would, yeah. I was like so See, intense. I always go to like the mean Russian lady who's not going to talk oh, to me. Like, I love cut, a mean Russian lady. Cut right to it. And I, I got to say, I always go Jew. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I love it. That's like I'm super by. Yeah. Eastern European, Russian, all of it. Like I love those intense ladies. But oh, Russian chicks. Well, doctors won't let you even feel pain because you're like, oh, shut up. Yeah. She's like, you're happy you're alive. That's kind of help. It's great. (laughs) But it was a man. Like if there were men, there were a couple men that were harsh or brash or like rushing patients out. And I was like, no, no, no. Oh, yeah. No, I always I always opt ladies. Me too. Yeah. I can't help it. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> I, um, so the reason I wanted the surgery is because, so I got sober and I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been drinking over. Like, I also realized I'm not really living my life. I'm not really feeling like a person proud of her body, proud of her life, proud of the way she's doing things. And I really hated my breasts cause they were a size like 32 G or F. Like they were so huge. Whoa. And it doesn't, I've known you for so long. I, yeah. how did I not notice Oh, this? you can see old pictures. They were so massive and they were like, Oh, maybe I do. Yeah. They were so, retrospect. are they on your so Facebook? Big. I think I just posted something on Instagram. It was like a before and after, but they were so big. Oh. And I have, I'm five feet almost. Yeah. You're one, tiny. And I have a little scoliosis. Like it just was like a huge burden all the time. Mm-hmm. And then, and to be constantly over-sexualized, like it was like an mm. ordeal to get dressed. Like you, you don't want to like look like you have a uniboob, so you have to wear a V-neck shirt, but then it cuts too oh, low, wow, so you have to yeah. wear something under it. Like mm-hmm. it was like three layers just to like have my boobs look it approachable. It defines who you are. Yeah. yeah. And it was such a con- constant like stress and thought that then I was thinking like, oh, if I could get this surgery, they also allow you to like choose your own breasts and your own breast size. Oh, so they give you fake, they take fake. out your real mm-hmm. and then they put in a little, uh, an implant. Yeah, oh. so the reason that people have the surgery is because all of the breast tissue and all of the breast cells have a higher risk of becoming cancerous. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it doesn't matter if you have a little bit of breasts or a lot of breasts, like whatever it is, those cells ha- still have that risk. Mm-hmm. The risk grows over time. So some doctors don't recommend you do anything until you're in your 50s maybe, if like you want to breastfeed and have your babies after you're done with that. But for me, I was like, oh, so I'll finally love my breasts when I'm 50. Like, yeah, why wait? I'm 27. Like I should, I should be liking my body. Like, and so for me, I talked to my husband, we were newly, newly married. And I was like, I don't like, we won't be able to breastfeed. He's like, I don't care. I didn't know you couldn't breastfeed with implants. No. Well, so you can breastfeed with implants, but if you take this surgery, they remove the everything in there. Ah, Cause the it's, glands, it's the complete everything. breast the tissue thing. is removed. The right? nipple, so there's no. So for me, yes, the nipple, but for some people you don't have to, for some people that are keeping their exact breast, um, they can keep the nipple in. Um, some people s- 
it is statistically that you could still possibly get breast cancer around the nipple. If you keep the nipple. Because it's still part of that package. But Damn. I'm not sure. So you, know, you don't have was, nipples. I don't have nipples. And you guys, cool. it was like a huge. You can't get a fake nipple? They don't oh, make you that? can. I can't you can get a tattooed nipple. on you. I, I can't pick a nipple to save my you life. You can't pick a nipple? I can't. Guys, there are so many nipples. How oh, so many this nipples? is the problem. So, like, so wait, you might oh, still get a nipple? You want to see it? You can see it. You want to see it? Yeah. Whoa. Oh my God. Wow. It looks like you're wearing, it looks like you're wearing one of those little things that you're a Barbie. You made it. You are a Barbie. Like there's no, I don't need to wear a bra. There's no, it's Oh my God. That's perky without a bra. See, I mean, you're like, I'm guessing, I'm guessing technology, you know, medical technology has just advanced a lot because like mastectomies used to not look like that. You used to literally look like a, just an X over where your breast, like a breast once lived here. Right. So my grandmother had a, it's called a radical mastectomy and they go into even the breast wall and the muscle Mm. wall. So for me, they just take out all that breast stuff, all the breast tissue. But what they do is they put your implant under your pec muscle. So that's why your breasts are perky. It's what they do with men for transvestites. When men are transitioning from men to women or women were men transitioning, they put it you put it under your pec muscle. Oh, and because get that at perk. first, yes. And at first I was so grossed out, but my doctor was like, it's like a little cocoon for your implant. It's like the most healthy place because you have blood vessels, you have muscle, like everything's taken care of. And I was like, oh my God, cocoon. That's, that's so cute. That's very nice. <laughs> I was like, I love cocoons. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's why you don't have to wear a bra because it's sitting there naturally. Now, did they show you like a binder of nipples or oh, something? Yeah. There's a nipple book. You can pick your silicone huh. nipples. You can How the fuck many kinds of nipples? are there um, if you guys look at like I would nipple reconstruction there are so many nipples there's so many colors there's so many shapes you can have a nipple that has a large protrusion or like a very flat nipple oh. is that the nipple part like the mm-hmm. the you little I mean? bud part the yeah the you can have whatever. fat areolas, thin areolas. Fat areolas. Oh man, I'd be like, anything. I want fat areolas. Doc. I can't choose. I can't choose. I'm like, do I want itty bitty Coachella nipples? Like ha, Coachella who, you know? nipples. Yeah, or do yeah, I want yeah. like big thick grandma nipples that I could grow into? Like, right. Because then can't. if you're at 80 with the Coachella nipples, it's like, that's, I mean, that well, doesn't make it looks sense. Odd. Color yeah. should be easier because you're so pale. Like you would have to go like a light, like a, like, light. like a little piglet's yes. nose. Or yes. Something. I was like very pink. My old nipples were like very pink. Yeah. Because I figured they were similar to mine. Mine are very pink. Oh, very. her nipples are like rabbit a rabbit nose. They're like I mean, they're so sweet. Yeah, right. they're like sweet nipples. <laughs> I love it. But then also, also I'm like, where? Oh God, it's so stressful for me. And so that part is so stressful. So basically, because I did the reduction, <laughs> you should look at Corinne's nipples later. I will. They're we're really gonna, great. I'm just volunteering that. But... Enjoy this podcast, guys. Yeah, but she has great nipples. Really, <laughs> this is the sexiest they're medical. Just, they're very cute. <laughs> cute. Like you look at them and you feel like a bunny's nuzzling up to you. I mean, that's all I want. But then also, like sometimes it's like, but do I want like those like seventies long nipples that are like sort of like hippie like hey, guys I can't choose right and are you cool. a real feminist or not I'm Caitlin? not I don't know what you I get am get the nipples with the hair coming out I know it. I know and you could so there's all these ways you can do take your own tissue from your body and build up a nipple so it like has what? that actual effect or you can just do tattoo or you can right. do a little build up by like pulling the skin together making a little like so I was gonna say what does it mean do they just like sew it on top <laughs> Well, yeah, like they can take like from like under your armpit or like your inner thigh. What? And then they tattoo that. So it looks like, and the nipples are like amazing jobs. I just, I cannot choose. You just really can't choose. I would probably, did part of you want to like, could you, could you have opted to get the implant later? 
Yes. I would have, man. I would have ran free down the street with no titties on me. That's Ooh-wee. what I was thinking. But my body looked so a lot of work, different. Yeah. But your body looks really different. So right after surgery, you're really puffy and you just feel bloated because you have, you know, you were under, you were like under anesthesia. See, this is what like, I've been talking about. You guys don't, under, big boob people don't understand. I'm like, you, boobs help you look thinner. It's true. <laughs> like, so I picked a smaller yeah. breast yeah. implant because I wanted them to be like small and light. But then I was so puffy. And it looked great Mm because I was like puffy and everything was kind of puffed out after the mastectomy. But then like once everything calmed down, like a year later, the imprint implant kind of like settled back into the space they created when they removed everything. And I looked odd. Like it kind of looked like triangular, like my boob went, it almost looked like armpit fat that like kept growing (laughs) through the middle. I mean, it looked bad, you guys. And I went to my plastic surgeon. I see you look in the mirror. No. I know it was so upsetting. And my plastic surgeon, well, she was like, Kaylin, I told you we should have gotten larger. And I was like, I just thought you were being like annoying. Like I I just thought you were being like one of those like girls who like fantasize about big boobs. I was like, I didn't want her to like make a decision for me. And so then I was like, you're right. And guys, she's the doctor. Like, of course she's right. She, she does this right. as her job. Like, well, I mean, because if you could go to G to like C, which is still like a big boo, right. but it's not like it doesn't take over your life. Exactly. Yeah. But like, I was like, so like I had PTSD titties. Um, so I was like <laughs> so afraid of like going too big. Right. That then I actually had to do a second surgery where she put in the correct implant that would like fit my body. Oh, okay. And that's also covered under insurance because it's all considered reconstruction because what it is is... <laughs> My doctor explained to me, she was like, you know, Caitlin, it's not like a one size fits all, a one time stop. you like a stop and shop. She's like, right. you, it's your body. And so it's how your body handles the implant, how your body yeah. heals, how it heals from the mastectomy. So the implant surgery and the mastectomy surgery are two different surgeries. So she was like, all of that time that your body takes to sort of figure out this new substance that's in it, um, it might not be exactly the result you had hoped. So she said a lot of women have re- redos or reconstruction edits and stuff like that. And she said, it's really common. So if it happens, don't be devastated. You know, your body's not broken. Mm-hmm. We just are working with something like this is a man-made project, basically. Right. So or a woman-made. Because woman <laughs> a woman operated. She did it. <laughs> yeah. So it was really cool. And and how did you, did people treat you? Did you notice any difference in the way like the world treated you when you had a G breast versus, oh, yeah. what cup size are you? I think I'm like a large BSC. Okay. And what's cool is that like before I used to have a really tight band, like I was a 32 to help like lift and hoist all this shit up. Mm-hmm. But now because they're naturally perky. I don't need, if I wear You're not a bra, wearing a bra at all. No, I'm not wearing a bra Damn. at all. And like, I, if I want a bra, it's more of like a picture frame, <laughs> less of a pulley <laughs> oh, system. So it just kind of like lays <laughs> nicely. And so you could have Goonies a bigger- booby trap, yeah. No, you could <laughs> have some like a, a wider waistband or, you know, than you would, ha- a chest band than you normally have. And mm-hmm. the other thing though, is that right after surgery, you really lose feeling here because when they remove everything, they cut nerves. Ooh. So ah. they were like, you can't have any- any um, underwire, or you have to be careful cooking over a hot flame, or be careful oh, with the heating pad. Your tits might catch on fire. Yeah, because you can't feel it. So all the bras I liked were underwire, so I just went home and cut out all the underwire because <laughs> I was like, I want to look fancy and, and but French. Are you numb now? You're, you're that one. No, away. it's okay. like it, it. So it. I always say like it's like if you press on your forearm, you know how like you feel yourself pressing on your forearm, mm-hmm. but then it yeah. yeah, but then it hits bone. Yeah. And you don't really go past that. Yeah. It's kind of like that with the implant. Like I can feel myself pressing on my implant. I feel the skin part, but you can't really feel under because that's right. the implant. And with sex. Um, it's great. Better? <laughs> so much better. And can he, he can 
grabbing, enjoy it. Grab them. He can yeah, grab them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm yeah, a woman. Like, how who, violent can you? I don't like anybody someone. being violent with my boobs because it, it my I just got very sensitive. Yeah, boobs, they're not sensitive. like the rest of my body. So you're when they were bigger, they were sensitive. They were sensitive, and I just was so hyper aware of them. Like mm. you know when you're on top of a guy and they're just like hanging down, and like yeah. it can be really fun. But they were just like. Oh, they just felt. You can't gross. see your any the, like can't the see bottom anything. of your body. Yeah, I just was like, oh, like oh, uh, believe me, they were a fan favorite. Like guys loved <laughs> them. They were like such a big deal. But I just, I hated them, and I felt yeah. like so. Yeah, that didn't matter what they. It thought. was too much. It was yeah. just too much for me to deal with. And and sometimes I would wear a bra having sex with my old boobs, or I'd want to wear like some lingerie because I would just feel like more in control. Like mm-hmm. of them, mm-hmm. um, and my husband's always like, "Why? We're just gonna rip off the lingerie." And I'm like, "No, no, no!" There's like, I today, love lingerie. <laughs> I hate when guys say that. Like, it's just gonna be in the floor anyway. I know. And it is. I feel pretty. And I know. So let, let me, me just have this. a moment. Let me like mm-hmm. feel like it's something. So, but now it's. I feel so free. Like I wow. feel so relaxed. Like. Oh, it, it's so much and more easy. It, so apart from just the cancer part of yes. it, and you don't have cancer hooked to you, like you don't have these like t- ticking time bombs. Yes. Like the cover of your book suggests. Yeah. I think that was, that was very clever artwork. Thank you. Um, and one thing we were talking about before uh, Corinna got here is her, your baby bump, you're pregnant. Yes. And how you were telling me something that I thought was really interesting where people for maternity pictures like Demi Moore's cover mm-hmm. and all that stuff when she was barely pregnant. Pregnant women want to have this perfect baby bump. Yes. But baby bumps are not, they're like lumpy and weird. And Well, they're just not always perfect. Like I never get, even thought of yeah, that. Yeah, you get like really tight and firm and very circular, like very far into the labor. But in the beginning, like my husband was like, who's an amazing person, but I was telling him like, I was so nervous that like people would think I'm pregnant because I, before I announced it and he's like, no, it just looks like you let yourself go. And I was like, <laughs> it was so It's sweet. a burrito belly. Yeah, it just kind of looked like I just had like a little extra fat or like a spare tire. And the thing is, is that like your body's collecting to get ready to take care of this baby and it's right. getting all its fuel, but you don't, it's not perfectly circular. So they are like, they have, I was wearing like tights or like leggings that came up to like under my breast because it smooths it out more because that's what everyone assumes a baby bump is. You assume it's like this perfect circular thing and it's totally not like you might have a little bit more weight on your hip or this or that. And it's kind of like different shapes and mm-hmm. not everybody looks like that, but you better believe the people posting all over social media, it looks like angelic and like right. the skinniest, hottest, like athletes are like oh, my perfect bump. But it's like a lot of my friends you had like, to like need it. And- yeah. They're like, we're not posting that shit. Like no one wants to see like what it actually looks like. Oh yeah. Wow. I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. That so it was, was very circular. Lumpy. But yeah, when I first, when I did first have the surgery, I was just like really uh, insecure. When I first had the surgery, I, I'm really bad at medical appointments. I have like vasovagal, which is like, if I see my own blood or if I see a needle go into me, I faint Oh, and I, I have throw that. up and it's, it's a, like a clinical thing. And if I oh, tell my it? nurses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were talking, Stephen was talking to her earlier because Stephen faints when he yep. sees it in movies and stuff. And I'm like, you pussy. No, I, I won't call I him that anymore. I faint when I read about it descriptively. Yeah. Well, what happens is, is that your body sees. <laughs> it doesn't bother me though. Like in my heart, it just. No, <laughs> no, you just can't help it. Like yeah, when yeah. I see a needle going into my body, my body goes like, that's abnormal. My brain or my brain goes like, that's crazy. And I get like incredibly low blood pressure. I start yeah. sweating and then I faint. Wow. So the whole time during the, oh, all of this, stuff. I'm like not a good medical person. And I was like, okay, I'll get a mastectomy. <laughs> and like, I would just tell every nurse, like, I will vomit on you. Can you please like get me an ice pack and lay my head down? Like we do a whole thing. Wow. And then it went really well, but, um, good. Yeah. So what was I going to say? That's the thing is you do, it is true. Like you are spaced out when you're pregnant. Like yeah, your pregnancy brain. brain yeah. yeah. It's a real thing. And I thought it was just like an excuse that my cousin used, but it's a real thing. 
<laughs> it's a real fucking thing. I don't remember what I was talking about. Is there any like medical reasoning for it? Well, I think that like a lot of your, I mean, definitely like oxygen, blood, everything is like going to support this baby. Yeah. And, and I just, I, I mean, I haven't like read enough on it, but it is like part of you is being used to do something else. So, so I don't it's like when you're digesting there. food, you have a harder time warming yourself up. <laughs> and you're up. sleepy. <laughs> like when you go to a restaurant in the winter and then you leave and you're like, wow, it got colder out here. No, it didn't get colder out here. Your body's working on yes. digesting your food. I think so. So it's kind of similar. Yeah, Bodies so. are crazy, you guys. Bodies are crazy. And oh, and that's the thing too. Like I was worried that after I had the mastectomy that like, because I don't have those breasts, it would be like less estrogen. Like, would it be harder for me to have kids? Like, oh. would that whole thing be different? And I, we got pregnant the first night. Dang. <laughs> like wow. so fucking fast. Like I w- was shocked. Did I, you talk to anyone like doctors about like, is it okay for me to try to have conceive. a baby now? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely okay. Like it's, it's a hundred percent okay. Some women like choose to do other things with their ovaries before there's like other medical treatments you could do for your ovaries or people do um, select genetic testing where you test an ovary once it's fertilized and you only keep the ones that aren't BRCA, which oh. I really didn't want to do. Yeah. Because that's, I'm BRCA that's a debatable. I'm a, I'm yeah. A fun person. Like, yeah, I don't you're be, here and you're yeah, glad. And like, we're fine. We're okay. So a lot like, of people have a lot of moral uh, yeah, I feel just, like, weird feeling. I mean, I get it. That's it's a weird fine. thing. And like, somebody might choose that. And I know this woman chose it, and she's so happy and she's like so happy with her kids. But I was like, I didn't, I just wanted to like try and have a baby first before I was well, like, yeah. Doing, and if like test you would, if your parents had done that, hmm. yeah, I wouldn't be here. You wouldn't have been here. Yeah. So, so I'm like, okay, weird. So, yeah, so but it's was, people's choice. It's right. their, and it's okay. Her choice, her body, and it's her an choice. option. Um, it's definitely like would be too expensive for us. Like a bunch of things. Like also we were like, we can't really go into that world. Okay. Yeah. Like that shit is every super vitro, expensive, right? Yeah. Like even, uh, even if you medically have a reason where you can't conceive, like the in vitro is still insanely expensive, right? To my knowledge. Expensive. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, I'm like, feel so lucky that it happened so quickly, but I was definitely, you know, before they do in vitro or fertilization. They want you to try for like a year, you know, and see like if your body can naturally conceive. And so I was like with my husband, we were like, okay, it might take a year. Like, we don't know, like my body's different. Maybe, you know, hormones are different. And then it happened so quick. And, we were, and I was like, it, people were like, were you surprised? I was like, yes. Like I was surprised yeah. it was like day one. Like that was so shocking. So Damn. well, how old are you? 33. I just turned 33. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was just like, usually like the younger you are, it's like, whoo, like I know really, really fast, but it, you're just a really fertile person. I mean, it's fertile, fertile baby fertile cakes. Fertile, and I don't even need tits. And it just all works out. <laughs> I can be fertile without titties. Yeah. Um, I do have one question about, there's nothing to do with anything we've talked about so far. Right. Um, <laughs> I was okay. at, uh, somewhere with Steven the past week and there was a girl, I think she was a waitress and she had a very high voice kind of like you. And I remember, okay. <laughs> I remember her, him asking, he turns to me, he goes, do you think her voice helps her or hinders her? And I said hinders. And he said helps because I feel like men look at that kind of voice as really sexy. And like, sometimes women can look at that voice as like you're childish. And I'm just curious if you've had any people, I love your voice. I yes. think you should do cartoon voiceovers. I think your <laughs> voice is you. amazing, but I'm curious if that's ever been it has. anything. Yeah. yeah. I, people don't Cause it works for your comedy. So I mean, well. it's fun. It's like really fun to like throw out an F bomb and talk about like yeah. fucking doggy style. It's just like fun yeah. and it shocks people. But, um, yeah, I, people, I have had women be mean to me because they think I'm just some happy perky idiot and I I would imagine a lot of someone them obviously yeah yeah like so I've had a lot of women be mean to me and my bubby was the same way and she was like you know what 
and you just like let him hate you. She's like, just you just let him hate you and let him hate you. Like that's yeah, all of them. Yeah. She's like, just enjoy it and keep smiling. And she's like, let them hate. <laughs> I was like, that's so great. Like, so yeah, since I was young, I mean, I just I have a high voice. Even I was in like theater school and they were trying to like get me to like drop into my low voice. And I was like, but that's, that's never so it's gonna... <laughs> unique and it's you. Yeah. Like I would yeah, fucking own very that. Shit. High. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, women are mean and um interesting. And yeah, and it does help me playing poker though, because I won a poker championship against like 32 men and I beat them all. Wow. And I think they just like- you're a shark. You're, yeah, I mean, I definitely but, am a beast, but like, I also think like they didn't, no one took me seriously. Right, yeah. yeah. So I was like, and now I have your money. That's <laughs> oh a beautiful Lord. story. Yeah, <laughs> that's beautiful. I hate them. That's perfect. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to, so it's like, if you have a child, I mean, whether it's a boy or a girl, I don't mm-hmm. know if you know any of that information yet, but like- A boy. Oh, it's a boy. So now how do you- is he at risk for different types of cancers? And like, how would you have that conversation or how do you plan to? So he definitely would never get ovarian cancer, but he could, well, get, right. breast, he could get breast <laughs> yeah, cancer. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Pancreatic, um, prostate. Testicular, but it's a very common. Testicular cancer in men in their 30s is very common. Like my dad had it, but it was a yeah. snip. Yeah, and, but that's I think that's also comes from like other causes. Like I don't know, I don't know if BRCA not from that raises it. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay, yeah, Corinne's saying like based on my, I could pass it down to my kids. There's a fifty fifty chance, um, but they don't really need to know about it. Or I mean, they'll know about it because it's like in my life, and my kid will be sick of hearing about it. But he won't really <laughs> have to really get tested until he's twenty one. Okay, and so there are like a so we can talk about like being healthy and like being good to your body, and that like. I did some intense things to make sure I was here for him and here for yeah. a while. But that, I mean, the risks really don't start until after your teens, way after, you know? Like okay. 20. So it's like you don't have to, you, you want to give him more like an anxiety-free childhood that you did not have. Yes. And also Good say plan. like, look, we are like, we are very active. We are like taking this. I mean, my parents like did everything to make us healthy and, you know, and we're also very active, but it was just like, I was coming at it from a different scope as a child. So for him, I just want to be like, oh, this is like a medical thing mom talks about all the time, but you don't have to worry about it till you're older. And then we will probably be able to handle it. I mean, if you think about it, that's like 20 plus years from now yeah. and treatments get better so more and advanced. Better. Yeah. So that's also Quickly, the thing where yeah. I was like, I don't, I'm not that stressed out. I mean, maybe when he comes, I'll be a wreck. Like, I don't know. But <laughs> I was like, I know that medical ad- advancement is going so quickly with all the money we're raising, we better figure something out soon. Yeah. yeah. All the walks, I mean, the jogs, God, the runs, so the much, marathons. So many calories the burned. Ah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I feel like something will happen. Hopefully I have fingers crossed. <laughs> I think it will. I think, and it's good to be proactive and thank you for coming on and talking. Oh my God. Sure. About I feel that. like we didn't talk that much about sex. <laughs> Well, well, but this is part of that sex. wasn't really yeah. what uh, uh, we were here, here to talk about. More about your breasts, <laughs> your titties. There's enough, there's enough sex, but I mean, it, breasts. You know, when you're a woman, are a part a of sex part. and sexuality and your body. So it's all intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, where can we find your book? You can get it wherever book um, wherever books are sold, and <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say. They're like wherever books are sold, and um, Amazon is it's very cheap right now on Amazon. Um, but you can get it on Target.com and Barnes and Noble. Oh, Target. That's fucking cool. love Target. I know, I love Target. So it's called Dangerous Boobies, Breaking Up with My Time Bomb Breasts. It's by Caitlin Brodnick. That's B-R-O-D-N-I-C-K. We'll put the information in the podcast description. And where can we find you online? I'm at um, Instagram and Twitter at, at Katie Brodnick. Katie's my nickname, C-A-I-T-Y Brodnick. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much Thank for sitting guys. down with us today. This it's been awesome. a long journey from... what. UCB to Oh, I know. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, So this has been Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut-chiming podcast. We'll talk to you next week. 
As we spin around in circles Laughing only seeing the planets Painted on the walls As you look upon them you realize There's no need to pretend These people can make you feel happy again Look at my eyes. 